What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Starving Podcast. This is your host, Justin Romare. I'm going to introduce some of our sponsors. Our first sponsor is GenoPallette. This is a company that actually analyzes your DNA, specific genes and genotypes that have to do with your nutritional profile. Now, it can get very specific. It's a 12-page comprehensive report that tells you how you metabolize different protein, carbs, and fat, whether you have sensitivities to gluten, how well you metabolize caffeine, for example, um, or maybe you know you have a lactose sensitivity. All of this gives insight into a customized nutritional approach, which we feel is the future uh, for nutrition coaching, weight loss, and performance. Our second sponsor is X Endurance. X Endurance is a supplement company that t- third-party tests all of their products. This is important because you know the products that are on the bottle are actually listed, and that's what's actually in the bottle. And this is what you want, especially when you want to, ch- you know, you don't want too many variables inside of the supplements that you're taking. Our third sponsor is Performance Sleep. These are mattresses that actually have copper infused in them. They actually help with sleep and a lot of other factors, including, you know, performance, which is the overarching goal. Especially if you're looking for weight loss, we know how important sleep is. So you want yourself a comfortable mattress, uh, you know, that you can sleep on every night and not wake up. Me and my wife use this mattress. I don't feel her wake up in bed, get out of bed, and vice versa. It's extremely, extremely comfortable, and they're extremely affordable. So if you go over to the link in our bio, you can get $75 off your first mattress by using code CBG. Our fourth sponsor is Dad Bod Fitness Online. This is run by some of the best CrossFit athletes in the world. It's an online program for busy dads, moms, whoever, uh, that have limited equipment and want to work out at home. Obviously, with the quarantine and other factors, including COVID-19, this has become a more and more popular approach. So if you need a specific program that is going to help you reach your goals, reach out to Dane Smith, Adam Klink, or the fittest man on earth, Ben Smith, for this online program. And our last sponsor is Consistency Breeds Growth. This is a nutritional company of which I am the CEO. We also just hired a new coach. So we're ready to take on more clients than ever before. So if you want a customized nutritional approach for whatever your goals might be, weight loss, uh, improving strength, head over to consistencybreedsgrowth.com and start working with one of our coaches. We have a special guest today, Jeremy Dinkin. He is the CEO of RSM, which stands for Resiliency, Strength, and Movement uh, Chiropractic Center. And uh, he has his doctorate uh, as um, you know in chiropractic medicine, and he's going to talk to us today about a variety of different topics. So stay tuned. It's science. Jeremy, man, what's up? What's going on, Justin? Uh, you know, just. Uh, Chilling over here, drinking my second cup of coffee, man. Ready to talk about uh, how messed up my neck is. <laughs> uh, I'm on my first cup. I'm, I got to catch up to you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I kind of slept in today. I'm feeling pretty good. But uh, yeah, I had to start <laughs> downing it, man. Get some work done. Get you on this podcast. So I'm excited to have you today. Thanks for uh, for joining That's us. Right. And, you know, um, as I mentioned in the intro, you're you're a doctor of chiropractic medicine. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about who needs, um, you know, to see a chiropractor, why they might need to see a chiropractor. 
and uh, you know how it works for people uh, for specific injuries and things like that. So why, why don't we start by you introducing what chiropractic medicine actually is? That's a, that's a good way to start. So um, I got into chiropractic late in the game, actually. Um, I was playing football in college at Monmouth University, and um, I got uh, hit on a sideline drill, um, and I my neck went out. Um, I actually blacked out, <laughs> concussion, um, woke up on the table in Whoa. the training room, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, went home with a brace. So as I was pulling up to my house, because um, I went home that night, my neighbor happened to be a chiropractor. And so I'm already, you know, 18, 19 years old, never had heard of chiropractic at all. And, um, you know, he's, he asked me what happened, uh, kind of told him what happened. I couldn't, I couldn't turn my neck to even, you know, look at the car next to me. Hmm. It was pretty jacked up. So he invited me over, um, talked to me about what he thought was going on and invited me to his office. And, you know, I was very skeptical. I didn't know what was going on. Um, like I said, it was my first time in a chiropractic office and he started doing the, uh, chiropractic manipulations, um, on the lower and mid back. And when he got to my neck, I, I was like, there's no way <laughs> I can't turn my neck. Um, I'm kind of scared, you know, like, what are you going to do right now? And, and he, you know, he smooth talked me and he talked me into it. So I gave him a chance and, um, he adjusted me and I, I got up from the table, I kind of freaked out and. I was actually, you know, full range of motion, didn't have the pain, and I was like, like thoroughly and utterly confused as like to what just happened. And so I had a pretty cool first experience with chiropractic and that's kind of, you know, eventually I ended up working with him and, um, and getting some good, you know, base experience in an office and what the profession was all about. And, um, it gave me the good, it gave me a good lens because I knew that I wanted to be in this profession somehow and tie it in with like my sports strength and conditioning background. And, um, he eventually pushed me to go to school. Um, and that's where I kind of learned about the chiropractic profession and, and the history of it. And mm -hmm. to answer your question, you know, like that's, this is where, uh, it gets, you know, chiropractic has evolved from like those beginning days of like, you know, just a manipulation, um, it was almost like a religious type of uh, profession where they thought that like the chiropractic adjustment was would heal all um, and restore that innate energy that flows through your body. And so in the early days, um, and not actually, you know, some people still practice this way, but they, they almost like take this like religious approach to chiropractic where the, the adjustment is the, the most powerful tool of, of healing um, and aligning the spine and the joints of your body is you know, restoring homeostasis and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of why, you know, we, <laughs> unfortunately, there's like two camps in chiropractic and um, it's almost like Democratic and Republican. It's pretty crazy. And um, those old school, you know, those old school philosophical ideas um, kind of hindered our profession. Yeah. And so that's why, to answer your question again, it's like, that's why people get a skeptical view on chiropractic because there's still those types of practices that were you go into an office you come in for a quick exam a quick you know manipulation and then they send you out the door and then you know try to uh talk you into a long-term treatment plan in uh in in uh 
today's society and, and what I'm trying to help with the profession is to um, change that narrative a little bit, um, give people, you know, this empowerment, um, almost like a coach, like a life coach slash, you know, chiropractor, personal trainer, physical therapist, it's all like a hybrid at this point. Um, and not only do we talk about manipulations, we talk about, you know, improving your, your training skill, your biomechanics, um, what you're doing at home, health, uh, health and nutrition. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a full body approach at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. And at least, and I know about these two different camps a little bit, and I've been to different chiropractors where I could tell sort of, um, you know, there, there are different methodologies that people use. Uh, and yeah, it becomes a little bit confusing, especially for people that, you know, get manipulated by one person. They take this more holistic approach with physical therapy and other things like you're doing where you're actually addressing, uh, you know, not just localized areas, but taking a more global bottom up approach with people versus people that go in there. And, um, as you said, take a more religious, uh, approach and maybe even, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's more of a, um, maybe even a mental approach, um, towards chiropractic medicine. Um, and I think that that's super interesting. Now, uh, in terms of, you would say that you're in the first camp that I mentioned, which is, uh, you know, trying to get people to take a global approach to their movement, uh, which may or may not involve, you know, nutrition, sleep, um, you know, overall health, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, so basically I use I used the adjustment as, you know, one of the tools in the toolbox. But again, that's one piece to the whole puzzle. Um, we talk about breathing, um, nutrition, breathing, nutrition, um, movement. I get a lot of athletes, so we talk about their training specifically, um, how we can implement warm-ups and rehab exercises into their training so they don't have to take a step back. And, you know, most doctors, unfortunately, still take the easy route and tell people just to stop overall. Um, I pride myself in telling people that they don't need to stop training. They don't need to stop moving. We'll just work ways around it, um, figure out a good plan with uh, an intelligent, you know, goal in mind and something that's attainable without taking steps back so that they can keep progressing throughout the whole uh, treatment plan. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. My, uh, my wife, Rebecca, she's a physical therapist and she works in a hospital and she gets people moving that I would not even believe could take a step. And so I, re I resonate <laughs> with that a lot that you have to keep progressing forward. Everyone can move in some capacity and it's about not moving backwards. It's about moving forward and taking necessary steps for movement because it becomes extremely important for people that are just out of surgery and are dealing with, you know, uh, you know, even if they went into an emergency room for one reason or another, after a couple of days, it's time to get up in movement because movement is so key uh, towards overall health. Our body absolutely needs it. And this is, you know, it's not blind for, for people that have just resulted in an injury and other athletes that uh, you're likely working with. Uh, if they suffer something, it doesn't mean to just sit back and relax for a month or two months until it heals. You actually have to start using, uh, you know, muscle and connective tissue and other things around it to give yourself the confidence and the ability to continue to 
to progress forward. So I think that that's really awesome that that's, you know, sort of what you're, you're looking to do. Now, a lot of people, at least for me, I would just go to the chiropractor when like my back hurt, you know, the back is like such a complex issue on its own. Um, you have like the cervical spine, which is closer to the neck, you know, and then you have the thoracic spine in the middle and you have the lumbar spine at the bottom. So it's a big, huge bone that runs down, um, you know, your back, but I mean, there's more to it than just this, right? Like what other injuries, uh, you know, do you work with people for in terms of chiropractic medicine and performance athletes that aren't injured at all? Like, is there an approach that you take with, let's say high level, uh, collegiate athletes or pro, you know, pro players that, that need adjustments and things like that? hundred percent. So uh, that's a good segue. Cause I was just about to say, as chiropractors, um, I'm I'm very blessed that I got into this profession because I see a huge loophole in healthcare with talking about just the nervous system in general, and that's basically all we deal with. And so, whether it's um, breathing, spinal manipulations, muscle work, um, it's all controlled by the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So, having that as a you know, I take a, a, a neurocentric approach on healthcare, whether it's for pain or performance, and so always start with the nervous system first. Um, so typically, um, you know, I'll go through my in-depth assessments, um, after taking an, uh, you know, thorough history and I'll rule out big nervous system, you know, red flags and stuff like that. Um, and as chiropractors, we kind of pride ourselves in getting an accurate diagnosis. And I think that's kind of what separates us now and in, in modern times as well as that we're pretty, we're pretty, we're trained pretty highly in you know, diagnosing and pinpointing what's actually causing, you know, the root injury. So, um, like I said, nervous system first. Um, then we go out to like, um, I like to say the peripheral hubs. So it's shoulders and hips after you start with the spine. Um, and people, you know, like you said, they, they think that typically all we treat is low back pain or neck pain, but any joint in the body is controlled by the nervous system. So, Hmm. That's how I like to take uh, my approach, whether you're in pain or if there's like performance wise, um, I'm training a high level performance baseball player. And again, back to the nervous system, like your nervous system in the resting state is going to be based on what you do with your activities. And one of my mentors and, and friends, Jordan Shaw, he always says, you are the shape of your sport. So for him, he's He's constantly in this rotational plane because of his, his baseball uh, sport. So to trick his nervous system, we do training where I do the opposite way. Um, I'll train him, you know, instead of throwing a ball, I'll have him toss a heavy med ball the opposite way um, for repetitions. And then we'll retest the throw and see how he feels. Um, things like that. I'm always trying to keep the nervous system in mind, um, whether it's for pain or for por- uh, performance. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. Yeah, that uh, that quote, um, you know, you you are basically whatever sport that you know you move in you in daily life, even from a parasympathetic standpoint, um, or whatever sport that you're playing. And I think that people see this all the time. You know, um, with mm-hmm. baseball players, it's very specific because people that are right-handed are using the right side of their body a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, that's super awesome that you're able to assess something like that based on someone's past history and have those things in mind for when it comes to 
you know, improving them in their sport or healing a specific injury. You mentioned a little bit about uh, other joints and things like that and working on other joints. Now, is it possible uh, for someone to experience back pain or some other pain in an area uh, because they have an injury somewhere else localized in the body? Oh, 100%. So that's part of the, uh, you know, in-depth history and assessment. Um, A lot of people... uh, in today's healthcare world, they just, you walk into an office, you say you have elbow pain, right? And they start treating your elbow right away right. without thinking what could, why is the, why is the elbow taking uh, so much of the blunt force, right? So you have to look upstream and that's where I like, you know, being in this profession again, is that I, I always look upstream and I start with the nervous system. So you start central, you know, you rule out things that could be potentially happening from the neck uh, from the mid back, then you move outwards to the shoulder, right? Check if anything's happening in the shoulder, and then you get to the elbow and the wrist, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I that's how I do my assessments. And I think because you can miss a lot of things if you just jump right to the to the site of pain, right? So yeah. always start central for me, um, and typically that's where the the root cause is stemming from. And as a chiropractor, you know. I keep that in mind and we'll implement strategies to fix the root cause and eventually we'll get to the to the elbow because people love that you know you acknowledge their pain so we'll, I get to I always get to the uh, point of pain for people and all that's where like the manual therapy techniques come in um, dermal traction method which is like a specific cupping method um, and then the neurodynamic methods which is like trying to mobilize the nerves nice Wow. Yeah, it's, it, it can all get very complicated, which is why it's it's really useful for someone to see, you know, a doctor of chiropractic medicine like yourself or a physical therapist, because as you said, you know, you can have knee pain, but it's actually um, the biomechanics of your hip that aren't working appropriately. Um, so in t- in, now that we're, we're sort of segueing into that, what, what, it, what are, or yeah, what are biomechanics and um, how do you use someone's biomechanics to uh, adjust for injury performance based on like their body type, like their anth- uh, their anthropometrics? Yeah. So again, uh, mentioning one of my friends and mentors, Jordan Shallow, <laughs> he taught me a lot about this, and um, I love his example of physics versus biomechanics. And most people don't really know the difference. Um, physics is like the stick figure squat guy, you know, that's one plane of motion. And that's typically how most providers, unfortunately, treat these days. And biomechanics is completely different. And that's where most blind spots happen. And that is like the through motion, right? And your body tends to take the path of least resistance, especially under load. So if you think about a heavy squatter, right, and you have like a little bit of a hip shift, that's because the body's trying to get through the movement without pain or trying to get through like the path of least resistance. So our body transmits force. Yeah, exactly. Our body transmits force, you know, like a lightning bolt. It's not just straight down, right? It'll find again, the path of least resistance. And in these rotational planes is where these muscles of stability live. For example, like the rotator cuff. And if you look at the fiber orientation of the rotator cuff, it's not just up and down. It's, horizontal, right? 
And so taking those muscles into consideration and training them as, you know, as muscles of stability and not just up and down uh, for strength, that's where people kind of have a loophole and that's where I kind of separate myself from other clinicians. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. That that actually makes a lot of sense, you know, um, that that's how maybe injury, even when people are doing symmetrical work and they feel like they're being symmetrical in their lifts, they are... Uh, actually favoring one side or the other just because, you know, people are trying to take the, the body is inherently or subconsciously trying to, um, you know, go through the path of, of least resistance. Um, yeah, that, that's super right. interesting. I guess that, that, and that, that plays a, oh, you, you go ahead. That, well, that, that plays a huge part in the rehab program, right? And you see a lot of it in, um, big clinics. They just give you, you know, like, a a banded hip circle to strengthen the glutes or a banded external rotation to strengthen the rotator cuff. But it's not necessarily training stability and strength and stability, in my opinion, are separate adaptations that need to be trained, you know, for each thing. So for example, um, like I just said, the, the banded external rotations, I don't think I've handed those out to, to a client or patient in uh, maybe years now because Typically, what the shoulder needs is stability and understanding the difference between training for strength, right, and training for stability is going to be how people feel the difference in their rehab plan and then they can apply and uh, they can implement that into their own training programs. Right. Yeah, a lot of people, it's funny you mentioned the shoulder because that's like a lot of people have shoulder injuries, especially people that I work with in CrossFit and it is a pretty versatile joint, right? Like it has probably the most range of motion of any other right. joint in the body. Um, yep, for sure. And st- yeah, like you said, stabilization. So by stabilization, you mean like maybe like isometric holds and things like that, like people holding at the top of a plank, for example, or th- things of this nature to help stabilize the joint area before doing actual contractual um you know, as you said, with the external or internal banded rotations for the rotator cuff, is this sort of right. the line of like isometric stuff? Isometrics and not even just isometrics. Like um, one of my favorites is the kettlebell windmill or mm-hmm. kettlebell underpress, right? Because you're you're deviating from that center of mass yeah. and you're creating an instability at the shoulder by putting the kettlebell upside down and you're forcing the, the shoulder to stabilize inflection and external rotation Got so it. it's not really the when you see the shake of a kettlebell under press that's not necessarily having weak wrists that's mostly an expression of the shoulder and having the serratus to stabilize underneath the rotator cuff everybody lives in that shoulders back and down position and we tend to forget about the protraction and elevation part of the scapula which is where the serratus you know lives that's why they call it the boxing muscle yeah and that muscle actually functionally stabilizes the rotator cuff and we forget to train it all the time. So even like a, you know, like a monster walk, I call, or a static beast walk, it's where you're pressing your upper back as high, as hard as you can through the ceiling to activate that serratus, right? Cause you're getting protraction and elevation. Yep. And then you're stabilizing the shoulder with the ground. Something like that is one of my, one of my go-tos, uh, yeah. the under press, like I mentioned, um, for shoulder stability. Right. Yeah, so sort of almost expanding the range of motion past where it sits normally, 
And then, you know, as you said, also coupling that with isometrics and going through movement, movement flow, such as the walks and things like that seem to be extremely helpful for, for uh, helping besides, you know, just doing, you know, regular contractual uh, things like uh, the banded stuff that you mentioned before. Exactly. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, Now, I know we already sort of uh, elucidated a little bit about the dynamic in chiropractic medicine, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Where there is sort of um, more of a, like you said, almost a religious approach that, uh, you know, uses almost belief in some sense and manipulation plus belief to uh, help uh, improve someone's, um, you know, injury, for example. And then you have your more global approach, which you believe is the emerging approach in physical therapy. Um, what, where's mm-hmm. the skepticism here? Because I know that some people are skeptical of chiropractic medicine. Uh, some people thoroughly enjoy it. And um, I just want to know like what approach people are skeptical of and, and maybe what side's getting the bad rap because the other people mm-hmm. are skeptical and they think that's what chiropractic medicine is. How, what is this dynamic? Got it. So, like I said in, in the beginning, I think it's um, the base root is due to the um, early chiropractic era and how, you know, the adjustment is the end-all be-all. Um, the thing that I've ran into, in, into practice is uh, people are typically scared of just their neck getting adjusted because they think you're, quote-unquote, cracking their neck. Yeah. Um, so, explaining... Explaining what a chiropractic manipulation is and does and um, what the goal of it is, um, kind of giving like a metaphor of like, you know, it's basically the same thing as cracking your knuckles. You know, it's pretty harmless. Um, the research has shown for, you know, for years that it's pretty, you know, there's no really risks, especially if you do your due diligence um, in the exams. Um, they also get a bad name, speaking of that. Uh, for like the VBIs, um, like having a stroke during a chiropractic adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why it's super important to always take your history, do your neurological testing, um, do your vertebral artery testing, all of that stuff. Uh, you have to do your due diligence as a doctor and make sure that you cross your T's and dot your I's with all that stuff because that has happened in the past. Um, I think the chances of those things happening is like less than, you know, shark attack, but you know, one chiropractor, you know, causes a stroke and it's like they blow it up into saying chiropractic adjustments can kill you, cause strokes. So you have to, you know, thankfully for me, I attract a community of people who want to push, you know, their potential to their limits um, and dealing with mostly with athletes that they're not afraid of those type of things. Mm-hmm. And we have a very open um, relationship. They talk like, you know, they talk to me about their goals, um, what they want to accomplish and so I can have like more free range to explain to them in depth about what I'm doing and uh, without a filter. And it's, you know, it helps them be at ease when they're on the table and they're getting adjusted because like I said, there's, there are some bad things that are said on the internet or throughout, you know, old wives tales about how <laughs> chiropractic can be, you know, detrimental or whatever they're saying. Yeah. Um, it's important for us to communicate that it's completely safe. Um, if anything, it's the most, you know, safe therapy there is out there because my malpractice insurance is way less than normal doctors right. or medical doctors. Um, so if, if there was a huge risk in that, 
uh, my malpractice insurance would be way higher. Um, so I always tell people that. Um, in terms of the camps, I think it's just, you know, it, it's the, the profession is definitely evolving, and you're starting to see a nice blend of, of forward-thinking chiropractors. Um, but again, the, I think the, the early era chiros, um, without, you know, bad intentions, they just, you know, they feel passionately about chiropractic. Um, right. There are mir miraculous things that happen with it. Um, you know, like me, uh, for example, I, I did not expect that to happen in one session. And so, you know, there's, there's other things that Cairo's, um, truly wholeheartedly believe in. And that's kind of where they get in trouble is that they correlate their own beliefs and kind of make it like a, a blanket statement, like the immune response, um, argument. So it's, it's things like that, that we have to, you know, educate ourselves, continue to to push the profession forward, not take step back, step backs in, in things like that so that people can start to respect our profession and, and realize that we're not just people who crack spines. Um, I, I consider myself at this point like a life coach. Um, every session with me is one hour. It's, it's a lot of um, talking back and forth, goal setting, um, moving better. You know, the, the adjustment is like the cherry on top. It's not just... It's not just a five-minute um, visit. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Um, yeah, no, that that's that's really uh, what I was looking for, and I think that chiropractic medicine, just like with any profession, like it's evolving, and I think um, right now, as it's taking a new shape, there are other chiropractors um, that have been in the business for a long time. And it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks sort of thing. So they're stuck sort of in their way of going to their office, crack, 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 and then you leave. Um, and I think as we continue to see that shift into, uh, you know, practice um, that you're specifically doing, where you said you're a life coach, you analyze the athlete's goals, uh, lifestyle, um, you know, other stresses in their life that may be you know, causing or exacerbating their injury, for example, it's a very, very dynamic approach and there's not one piece to the pie there. And I think uh, as we continue to shift from the old method to the new method, as with any other field, uh, people will obviously start to recognize more what to look out for. So um, yeah, if you're going, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're going to a chiropractor uh, once, twice a week for six, eight, ten months, and this session is crack, crack, two and a half minutes and leave, um, you may want to readdress who you're seeing, um, right? I <laughs> well, mean, that's why I started my practice, yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I went on a couple of interviews, and uh, when I graduated in December 2018, I moved back to Cal or, uh, from California to Jersey right away in uh, January. And I went on a couple of interviews and I was just like, I can't, I can't align myself with these values. And so I made the leap. Um, most people don't start to practice right away after school. Mm -hmm. I think I was one of the only, maybe if the, if not the only person who did that. Um, and I started my practice right away because I found, you know, a loophole, especially in New Jersey, uh, with providing treatment that like, it's not just about the quick, you know, 
two second appointment um, or, you know, the quality of care just wasn't up to par. And that's exactly why I started my company. I wanted to provide people with value, um, change lives. And before I even started, um, before I even opened my practice and actually as my license was coming in the mail, I had my mom's friend reach out and she was like, you know, I've been dealing with low back pain for like five years since pregnancy. Um, I can't do anything with my kids. Um, I haven't been able to train. And I was like, you know what, let me just give this a shot. And I told her, you know, my license isn't in yet, but I can try to help you out. And so without adjusting her, um, went through an assessment, you know, figured out what the root cause was. Um, and in two sessions of her coming to my apartment, she had no more pain, no more radiating pain. Uh, we figured out what was going on. She had a plan. She was confident again, and she was deadlifting in after two sessions. And she wasn't afraid to sit for long periods of time anymore. She was able to pick up and play with uh, play with her children, and you know that's life changing stuff. And right then and there, I was like, it gave me the confidence to go ahead and start my own practice and and hopefully continue to do those type of things. Yeah, dude, absolutely. What a great story. Um, for you to get going, launch your own business, have that confidence to believe in yourself and, and do that. Um, I know you, you mentioned back pain with this one patient. Um, wh- why is back pain so complicated? <clears throat> I feel like there are people out there that have legitimate injuries that they've suffered mm-hmm. either from an acute lift or just from c- chronic um, you know, overtraining. And then there are other people that um, you know, maybe they've just had an injury there for so long that they just associate the, the, um, the nervous system with an injury when maybe there isn't really any real damage. Um, I've right. heard this, I think it's called like a neurotag and maybe another word, but like, could you go through some of the, why back pain is so crazy complicated? Yeah, <laughs> this is a great question. Uh, uh-huh. so first of all, pain in general is complicated, right? And it's, there's, it's very multifactorial. It's not just, uh, most people, when they think of pain, they think of like a biomechanical injury or, you know, like a, like this, let's just say the disc injury, uh, my disc blew out. Right. So now with that statement itself, there's a psychological aspect because you think that your disc is now like exploded. Right. So before an MRI or anything, you're just like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in, and in recent research, the pain does not really equal, you know, structural damage, um, especially on MRI. So, you know, some people will go th- through an MRI and they'll see like a tiny, maybe a 0.2 millimeter disc bulge that causes like 12 out of 10 pain or vice versa. They'll have like a huge disc bulge that's spilling into the spinal canal mm-hmm. and they have no pain. So you can't really correlate pain with structural damage at this point. Um, so what does that bring me to the biopsychosocial model of pain and back to how pain is multifactorial? Um, you can't just think about the biomechanical model anymore. There's, there's tons of other influences on pain that we have to understand as clinicians. Um, and that's why, you know, treatment can sometimes get frustrated because you don't, you just constantly think of the biomechanical part of it. And there's, there's other factors that play a role into pain. Right. And so a global screen is very important. A history is very important. Um, and figuring out how we can manage load, um, how we can manipulate, uh, programming, right. Cause sometimes you're throwing too much in the program 
um, causing, a, a car, uh, causing a misuse or overuse injury. Um, skill is another one we overlook, especially with athletes. How is the skill of the movement, right? If you continue to load that movement um, without the skill, you know, other things, like I said in the beginning, the body will take the path of least resistance and other things like structures can now be loaded instead of the muscles. So pain is constantly evolving. Um, there's, a, there's another example of a phantom hand example. Uh, I just read this the other day. So a, a woman who had three uh, fingers her whole life got in a car accident and they had to amputate the whole hand at that point. So she had nothing left. Mm -hmm. She was getting pain that the brain was telling her there was five fingers there. She was having like five-digit pain. Oh, my God. She hadn't had five whole fingers in years since yeah. like, you know, early days. And she was living with three fingers for most of her teens and 20s and 30s. And after this car accident, they had to amputate the whole hand. And she was getting phantom pain in all five digits. So, again, your brain is, is a very complex <laughs> uh, structure. And it's very important to realize that it's multifactorial and there's a ton of things that go into it. Um, can't just take this narrow scope of pain and just say, oh, you know, it's your disc or it's your facet. Like, uh, it doesn't work that way. Wow. Yeah, no, that's an incredible story. In the hospital, you can imagine um, there are some you know, even more severe cases of this. And my wife has told me some other cases where people are actually, the limb is not there and they have this pain, this phantom pain that you described. And that blows my mind, absolutely blows my yeah. mind that the, the, the <laughs> nervous system and the brain has um, just so much control over what the body feels, even if it's not feeling anything. This is, this is incredible. Right. And so there's, there's a variety of factors that play a role. And uh, another example, quickly, is uh, I had a patient who was taking antidepressants for over 15 years. And, you know, she came in as a low back pain patient. That turned into elbow pain, which turned into knee pain, which turned into lat pain, which turned into cervical pain. And, you know, the things weren't adding up um, in the history, in the exams. You know, the pain literally didn't make any sense. And... You know, I dive deeper into asking her questions about how long, because I hadn't originally asked her how long she was on those medications for. Um, I just wrote them down as like, you know, this is what she was taking currently. And then I'd started to research more on the effects of those type of medications long term. And I think it was putting the nervous system in overdrive, right? And so just walking with an ankle weight caused her pain, two pound ankle weight. And this is a girl who wanted to compete in bikini. So the things didn't didn't add up really, and so we, you know, I had to kind of explain. And probably one of the most difficult conversations you can have is to say, like, you know, you don't want to say your pain is in your head, but you have to explain that the nervous system is being affected by taking all these medications. Right. So difficult conversation um, ended up helping her a lot, and you know, bringing awareness to that whole situation, which is all I can do at that point, you know. And um, she's progressing she's recovering and she's doing great now so it's you have to have those difficult conversations but long term you know you can change somebody's life just by giving them the awareness and the knowledge uh, and the empowerment to you know fix this problem right 
and it's not that the pain, even if it's uh, through your nervous system, it's not that the pain isn't real, you know? Like, exactly. even if there isn't anything structurally wrong with your knee, you get an MRI, but you feel pain there. Like, your brain has associated a certain level of pain with that area. Regardless, it is real pain. It's just a matter of the mechanism that's driving, um, you know, why it's why it's hurting, you know? So exactly. that, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, dude. Well, I think I, I'd love to end there, um, but I, I do want to make sure that our listeners um, know uh, about your practice, where they can find you um, in New Jersey and, you know, where they can find you remotely through social media and, and other things like that. And are you doing any remote work with people like through Zoom sessions and stuff? Are you able to do that now with COVID or is that a model that you're going to expound upon? What, what's what's going on with that? Yeah. So uh, in early March or mid-March when this all happened, um, I was never, uh, thank- thankfully, I was never really worried because how I practice is a lot of the movement stuff. So you can do all of that stuff online. And I obviously had to modify and tailor my, my exam stuff for um, Zoom calls, but I picked up as, as business as usual. And um, we'd go through the rehab and the movement stuff. Um, I kept everything an hour. Um, everything kind of went smoothly for me, thankfully, um, without getting my hands on people, which again, I think was a blessing because you get to, again, show people that they're, they're in control of their own destiny, right? I'm just the guide. I'm just here to guide you through the pain, guide you through a couple movements, um, give you a positive experience with, with movement and, um, you know, continue to help you progress long-term. So that was actually, uh, a blessing. Another blessing was that I got to move to a very prestigious gym in Marlboro, New Jersey called HIT Training Gym. And um, so now I have an office inside HIT. Um, they've allowed me to continue to practice because chiropractors are technically considered essential. So I started seeing people um, a few weeks ago. Um, schedule is now packed up more than ever, which is shocking to me, but I kind of get it because everybody's been stuck. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, business is going well, um, and you know the the word is getting out now that I'm in Marlboro. So you can find me inside Hit Training Gym. Um, you can find me at RSM Athlete Doc on Instagram, and you can email me anytime at Dr. Jeremy at RSM RSMathletedoc RSM Athlete Doc Instagram. Excellent man. Um, well, thanks for coming on the podcast today, dude. Um, really insightful information about injury. Uh, especially as it pertains to referred pain, uh, back pain, and what the dynamic of chiropractic medicine is. I hope that people can listen to this and really start to understand that this can be a therapy for performance, um, for injury, and even for your life, uh, essentially. So thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, Jeremy. Um, you Thanks can, for having me, guys. Yeah, man. Great conversation. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so you can also find the Starving Podcast on Instagram as the underscore starving underscore podcast. We have some video introductions for you guys on this podcast and other podcasts. Um, you can also subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify or your preferred podcast app. Just find us as the Starving Podcast. And if you have any other questions, uh, please feel free to email us at thestarvingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Thanks for listening. All right, Jeremy, man. Catch you later. Thank you, man. Take care. Science.